0: This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness episode number 125. This week's episode is brought to you by Bayleaf Sports Activewear. Bayleaf Sports gives you today's new technology such as compression, improved airflow and lightweight materials in all of its products. High quality at affordable prices, and use my code Doctor Bond and receive 15% off anytime you order from Bayleaf Sports. Go to bayleaf.com. That's b-a-l-e-a-f.com. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on radiomdcom Bond. Well, my guest this week is none other than a legendary singer and artist, recording artist, BJ Thomas, who has one of the most distinctive voices in American pop music. A reassuringly masculine timbre conveyed with a smattering of unique embellishments that represent a refining of the most influential genres in pop culture. Nothing about the identifiable sound of BJ's voice has changed, but there's a re-energized commitment behind it. BJ Thomas is here with us as his hit song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, celebrates its 50th year since its release on the charts. The song has shown amazing durability. It was featured in the movie Forrest Gump when Tom Hanks' character encountered President Lyndon B. Johnson. It made the soundtracks of Clerks 2, The In-Laws and Charlie's Angels full throttle, and it appeared almost in its entirety during Spider-Man 2. While some other of BJ's signature hits are celebrating their longevity as well, as BJ's hits include the Oscar winning, of course we're talking about Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, The Million Selling, Hey, Won't You Play, Another Somebody Done Somebody Wrong song, and his career igniting cover of Hank Williams, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. Well, we are honored today to have BJ Thomas with us to talk about his music and legacy and ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome none other than legendary recording artist, B.J. Thomas. And B.J., it's great to have you on the program today.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you, doctor. Good to be here.
0: Well, let me ask you something, because you know, you're now celebrating the 50th anniversary of your hit song, Raindrops Keep Falling on Your Head. How did you, how did you come across this type of
1: song? Well, I was with, uh, you know, back when I had my first my first successful record, I was uh, signed by Scepter Records, which was a great independent label in New York City. And uh, one of their principal um, people was uh, Burt Bacharach and also Hal David, who uh, produced, uh, they, Dion Warwick was, was on that label. And so, uh, of course, Burt and Hal produced, you know, almost 100% of Dion's music. So he was he was there and I was aware of him. And of course, you know, he was a, a legend and I was totally in awe of he and, he and Hal. And uh, I was recording in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, uh when they were writing the score for uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, and I was doing pretty good. And I just had a, a hit record with hooked on a feeling. And so I was kind of in the back of their mind. And uh, actually I had flown up, Gloria and I had just gotten married and I flew up. Uh, Scepter Florence Reamer, who owned the label, uh, label asked us if we'd move to New York City. So we moved to New York. Uh, in fact, I'd go by his apartment, and we were looking for you know songs and whatever might work, so we could do a session. And uh, you know, about that time, i we've been kind of looking for some music for two, three, four months. And uh, at that time, then the uh, the, the the bicycle scene, uh, the song for the bicycle scene in Bush Cassidy came up. And uh, I think it had a lot to do with me being, uh, I had been cutting hit records and, and selling a lot of records out of Memphis. And so he he gave me the shot to do it. And I, you know, one of my great memories, I flew out to California and I did sang the, the TV version to, uh, to the bicycle scene and then we re-recorded it about six weeks later for the for the number one record the studio version
0: are, are you a great amazed? experience
1: for me great memories well
0: are you amazed hmm? uh what what has amazed you most about the song's longevity
1: well well you know uh you all you, you know things that these songs uh you know affected me like that session when we cut raindrops now, i didn't know so much uh from the movie version but when did we did the single with the you know we had a big 90 piece orchestra and all that and of course mr backwright was directing and it was a total experience and when we finished recording that i had i had a a very good feeling about it because you know it had everything going for it the greatest composer and Hal David, one of the greatest writers, and and of course, Butch Cassidy, you know, luckily was a great movie, and uh, so it had everything going for it, and I just really thought it was going to be a good, it was going to be a a big hit record. Now, the reason this lasts so long, I think it's because it uh, really says something about uh, um, human beings and, uh, you know, how the world turns, uh, about you know the raindrops uh, they're going to fall on everybody but as long as you're as uh, long as you're free uh, you don't have that many worries you know so it, it kind of said how david had a way of writing lyrics just straight from his heart and very simple sounding lyrics that had you know really deep meaning and i think you know raindrops just kind of um, you know caught people uh with a real truth about, about life and uh, you know and it had that quirky melody uh, it was one of those great uh, compositions and you know little kids liked it and older people liked it it was just across the board it was a great song and now you know when I got it I didn't realize how lucky I was to to get that session and uh so I always felt well I was fortunate enough to get it but you know as the years go by I really feel uh, you know almost I'm blessed that i that I got to have that experience and you know, people in the music business—they—they—they they, they always they want to have that kind of moment that I had and experience that I had with raindrops. and, and you know. So I really thank—I uh, thank God for it, you know. Well, you know,
0: it—it it, it, the song itself is so iconic. But what I love about—and you just said it yourself—there is a simplicity there with the lyrics. There's a simplicity there. With the melody, yeah. and it's it's a type of song that yeah. sticks in your head. When it comes on the radio, you could you instantly just start singing along. And I find that to, with today's music, I don't hear a lot of songs that will stick in our head. I don't hear a lot of songs that are really, you know, easy or fun to sing along with. And uh, raindrops Keep falling on your head is just one of those songs that encompasses so much that it sticks with us. And now I I can't even imagine this show, this song now being uh, 50 years old. That's, that's just mind boggling to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, it it just would kind of catch your attention from that first verse, but the the guy's feet are too big for his bed and nothing seems to fit. And sometimes that's just the way you feel about life. You know, nothing is really, really working, but uh, you know, it just had a, uh, kind of a misseek to it now that, uh, that I really, you know, I feel so fortunate that I, that I got the chance. Of course, I recorded a few things with uh, Mr. Backrack and, and uh, Hal and uh, the whole experience of all, all the memories and all the experiences that I had with raindrops. They're all, they're all good. You know, I'm, a, I, I think about them quite often, just how, how great that was and how fortunate i was and how successful it was and just everything worked out well
0: you know <laughs> well was this the song that put you on the map or were you already rising up that well you were already well known when hooked on a feeling came
1: out correct yeah well you know i had uh, i had a, a, a yeah i had a couple of a million sellers and a few gold records and uh, you know but this uh, raindrops kind of took me kind of up up a little higher in, in class and uh, in, in, uh, you know, it was kind of a worldwide recognition of the song was uh successful in most, uh, uh, most all areas of our planet. And so it, it, it was definitely a boost to me and something I still, I still, um, you know, I'm, I'm recognized by. So. Well, you it, know, I I
0: did some checking online because, you know, nowadays a lot of people have gone from radio to online streaming. And so I went on Spotify. And ladies and gentlemen, I (laughs) want you to realize how popular Raindrops Keep Falling on Your Head is just on Spotify alone. We're talking about 28 million plays already. Uh, I mean, think about if it was 28 million plays or if that was 28 million records sold. what, What would that be, BJ? 28? Platinum records technically is what that would actually.
1: Yeah, something do. like something like that. I and think I? Uh-huh. I think actually, raindrops is a is a diamond record. Although I haven't yet to be uh, uh, get my uh, certification from the RIAA about it, but I do think it's a diamond record. I think it's well over 10 million copies, and uh, just uh, gosh, <laughs> one of those phenomenal things. And you know, I'm I appreciate it. You know? Well,
0: you know, not only has Raindrops been played on Spotify 28 million times, I also looked up that Hooked on a Feeling has over 9 million plays. And then even in which one of my favorite songs of yours actually happens to be, hey, you know, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Play. And that has over 3 million plays. And I love that song.
1: Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's a song that was written by Chips moment, uh, who produced a lot of my records. He's the guy that produced the, uh, the Elvis comeback things, uh, Suspicious Minds and all that. And uh, I wrote it with Larry Butler, who was Larry was the guy that did all the Kenny Rogers thing. So a couple of great writers came together. And that was the only other time that I that I recorded something that I was totally positive, you know, positive. It was going to be it was going to be a great record. Uh, that was the two times, raindrops and uh, somebody done somebody wrong. So uh, a great song. Of course, I still do it every time I uh, perform. I have a have a show or a performance and, uh, you know, very lucky.
0: You know, during the, uh, you know, the early 70s, I mean, there's a lot of iconic artists and you're, I mean, literally you're right there in the middle of them all. Of course, you know, we all know Elvis, you know, there was Tom Jones. Neil Diamond and the list goes on. And, you know, at the beginning of your career, was it, were people having a hard time trying to figure out what genre your
1: music was being placed in? Well, I think they, they kind of still are, <laughs> but I, first of all, I want to say I'm definitely not comparing myself to Elvis or Tom Jones or any of that. I mean, I was, uh, I was competitive in my career and, uh, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to be involved, and in, I think what was the greatest uh, couple of decades of of, of all time—the sixties and seventies—American uh, music. So, uh, you know, I was kind of—I wasn't on top, but I was kind of in the middle there somewhere, you know, which is which was which was fine with me. Uh, but I'm sorry, I forgot your question now.
0: Well, well, you know, <laughs> you you were. You know, you know, during the, the early to the mid 70s, I mean, you were you were up there with, you know, like I said, oh, the you know, Elvis and Tom Jones
1: and Neil Diamond, yeah. and all of those. I, I, you know, I never was. I was a product. I was a product of top 40 radio and uh, top 40 radio played all the genres. They, you know, it was it was pop music, popular music, whatever was popular. They played it on top 40. And so I was kind of a product of that when I first got into a band when I was 15. We would just get the songs off the top 40 chart. And that's what we did in our performances. And so I was always used to just doing the song that I liked and then I, you know, that I could relate to and connect with and not necessarily, I never really paid any attention to, to genre or anything. And, you know, I think, I think I'm a little bit of a lot of genres. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit pop and rock and roll and I'm a little bit gospel and, so I was lucky in that respect that I, I kind of liked some of the, all of that music, and so uh, that's just where where I don't I don't know if I can be nailed down to one genre, but probably uh, if I had to it'd be, it would be more country now because that pop music thing yeah. that I was uh, that I had is kind of gone. You know, it's kind it's not really even there anymore, like you said.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's amazing how music has changed over the years, but I want to kind of step back in time a bit because. You used to live in Houston, Texas. You went to Reagan High School, and and I believe that you were not too far from Tally's Record Shop. And do you still remember Tally's Record Shop?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I used to go to Tally's Record Shop all the time because I was kind of I was all kind of North Houston. That's where I grew up, and uh, you know Houston was uh, was and probably still is, but uh, during my childhood it was fantastic for music uh you know we had bobby bland and little junior parker and ray charles and all the we had all the end of school and back to school shows where all the big artists came in and it was a great uh a great place of music great place to grow up you know
0: you know um i had to uh i had to talked to my father-in-law, and I said, hey, what do you know about B.J. Thomas? And And the reason why I asked him, and this is going to be kind of funny, my father-in-law actually worked at Tally's Record Shop, and you would oh, come did. in, oh, well. Charlie Booth would come in, and, you know, maybe to drop mm-hmm. off some of the records, or, uh, you know, find out what the, the top 10 hits in the, in the local area would be, and and my father-in-law would write up the top 10 so they could turn them into the, the radio stations. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And I know a lot of people watching or listening right now, they don't understand how things used to be back in the day when it came yeah, to well, the artist hitting the road and promoting those records physically. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, back back in the day, the, the uh, all, all the music came from the distributorship. And I was a United distributor. I grew up. One of my childhood buddies was Steve Tyrell, and that's where we spent a lot of time with Steve Poncio at the at the at the record distributorship where the radio stations came in and got their records there. And so we were we were they always there, kind of promoting our our records. And yeah, it worked a little different back then. It was much, uh, I think, it was a much wider and more diverse. Uh, uh, playlist. Uh, now the 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 playlist is is limited more, but you know music. That's the one thing about music. It's always changing. It's it's always evolving into another another thing. So it's what's very interesting.
0: You know, I I really miss the days of what you had brought up. True, top forty radio, where you would get this mixture. Of music, and now it's all separated into different classes and different genres. I really liked it mixed together because, as a yeah. listener, you're able to grab a little bit of pop, some rock and roll, a little bit of country, yeah. maybe some blues. And uh, yeah. I wish. We oh, had absolutely!
1: That. Sometimes they'd have symphony music, and you know, it was it was whatever was whatever was popular was on that station, and it was it was great.
0: You know, so. You know, for a lot of people out there, and BJ, um, when you look back, you know, taking records to the radio stations and and trying to get them to play them on the air, because you you were you made a name for yourself just in the local Houston area, and then you made it big.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I used to go by the stations personally and take my records, and uh, you know, with the to Joe Ford at, at K News and Bob Wyatt at KILT. And that's what I did with my first hit. Uh, I went in to see Bob White and I said, you know, this is it. So he, then they would play my, play our record. I was with a band called the Tramps, and uh, they would, they would play our records for a week or two, even if they weren't, you know, all that great. And, uh, uh, but this one, uh, Bob listened to it and he said, well, BJ, he said, I don't think we can play this one. But he said, while you're here, let's listen to the other side. And he turned it over. And on the other side was I'm so lonesome. Uh, I could cry, and he, he listened to a couple of verses and took it right into the the control room, and they started playing it, and that's what got me started because it went number one in in three weeks, and I I signed with Scepter Records through uh, Steve Tyrell, and you know it's uh, so I'm still I'm still going.
0: <laughs> well, what was the what was the time span between Hank Williams recording that that song, and then when you recorded it? And it finally made it to the radio. What was the length of time between between those two uh, different? Well,
1: I'm so I'm so lonesome had been recorded 72 times before I did it. (laughs) And I just you know, we were cutting our first uh, album, uh, Me and the Triumphs. uh, um, And, uh, you know, I just cut it from my dad. You know, my dad loved country music. And I said, hey, we got to do something country on this. On this, uh, on this album, and I had been singing the song at our dances for a few months. We saw it in a movie uh, about Hank Williams, and uh, it had been cut, you know, almost a hundred times. And uh, I don't know, it was the arrangement or something, uh, it just caught on and, uh, you know, kind of was, uh, uh, you know, very successful in the middle of a, you know, a lot of other stuff going on. You know? <laughs>
0: Well, when you are looking when when you research songs or you're looking for songs, what stands out to you that maybe uh, maybe it touches your heart, maybe something clicks into your mind that says, "Hey, that's the one I I want to record." So, what is that yeah. process that you go through?
1: Well, I have to, and you know, right up front, I'm going to say I was very uh, fortunate in my career to work with some of the great songwriters and composers of my time, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil and Mark James and, of course, Burton and Howe. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I always felt like I needed to connect with the song personally. And uh, the music has always been more about emotion to me than just hitting the notes or, or whatever. And so if I, if I could connect it with something and it really meant something to me emotionally and personally, then that that was what I was interested in. So that, that's how I look for them, and I I, I still I, I'm going to muscle shows as soon as the, you know we're out of this uh, virus uh, pandemic, and I'm going to record with Dan Penn and Billy Lawson, and we're 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 already you know we're we're writing songs, and we, we've got some good things, so we're looking forward to do that. Very emotional, kind of simple, meaningful songs, and so that's what we look for.
0: Well, you know, ah. that's what I love because you know to me, when it, an artist can truly sell a song. When they they believe in it, they feel it, and it comes through their voice. And as yeah. for someone like me, who is a listener, you can tell when somebody truly believes in the song that they're singing, and and I think that is something that uh, maybe we miss a little bit in today's uh music. Yeah,
1: you kind of, uh, and I think you know, of course, back in that day, we uh, we all recorded with live bands, and I think people. Uh, I I'm it's, it's not I can't explain it but I think people identify with music that uh, or they feel the music more when it's a uh, when it's live people doing it of course they're making incredible music now just technically and uh you know I'm not uh, I'm not knocking that but uh, I think you're exactly right I think people can feel feel it when you really mean it you know
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, let me ask you one last question here. <clears throat> what advice do you have to today's upcoming artists and songwriters? Uh, what What should they be doing right now?
1: Well, I think they just, uh, you know, the people who pursue this kind of, kind of thing in music, they have a burning desire to do it. And, they, and they won't have peace of mind or any kind of real happiness unless they get this out, whatever whatever this thing is about uh, getting this music out and these feelings. And I think one of the most important things, which I was lucky enough to have myself is uh, if you're just starting out, get, get with some other musicians and get in a band and, and get, get used to holding your end up, whether you're the bass player or the lead singer or whatever, you get that, you get that involvement and it all adds to, to how you're going to express, express your music. And uh, you know, if you can, if you can, uh, pay attention to writing your own material that's that's a real plus too and so you just get in there and follow your heart you know
0: i love that and and ladies and gentlemen there's something i want you to realize and you know that anytime that i that i have the opportunity to interview a recording artist such as legendary uh, bj thomas i know that we live in a modern technology technical age where people can hear songs and live stream but here's something that i want you to do especially this is 2020 you know the year of the pandemic we're going to remember this this year forever but there's something that i want you to realize and a lot of artists today did not uh, they were not able to tour uh, and you know bj i know that uh you probably didn't get the tour at all this year correct
1: no i'm not i'm not really going to tour And, you know, I'm kind of in that age group where I've got to to really be cautious and and protect myself. So I'm really not going to tour until until I get the vaccination, until I know that I'm safe. And then I'm then that's when I want to get get back to it. I I hope it's soon. It's been it's it it hasn't been easy to to be at home. Of course, Gloria and I, we've been married for a long time uh, and uh, it's been nice to be with her. Well,
0: good. And and again, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I, I don't give you go online or, or go to a, a record store. I know there's a few record shops still available. I know here in Houston, we have some great independents still there. But here's what I want you to do. Because yeah. with artists like BJ Thomas and so many others out there who um, been, continue to record, some of them have not been able to tour this year because of the pandemic, I want you to go out, and especially with BJ Thomas's, uh, raindrops keep falling on your head. Go buy the record, and when I say buy it, I mean pull out your <laughs> wallet and buy the record. Because BJ Thomas, think about the road crews, the the musicians, the guitar players, the drummers, all of the people. It takes so many people to come together to create tours, to travel around the country. So people like me and you can go see people like B.J. Thomas, we want to continue to support the musicians, the artists, the music industry. So again, go out, buy the records. Don't just download them for free. Stop doing that. Buy the records. That's how people make a living because it's not just B.J. up there at the microphone. And that's who you see. There are so many more people behind him that make it all happen. And that even includes the songwriters and the recording studios as well. And BJ Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Any, yeah. any last words you would like to leave with us?
1: Well, I would just thank you for involving me here and supporting me here, Doctor. And, uh, you know, all the people who are going to see this and and, and uh, the the few that might go out and buy the record, you know, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate all the things you've given me over all these years, and uh, I I hope to see everybody as soon as I can.
0: Uh, Amen to that, and many blessings to you, BJ, and your wife Gloria. And uh, we're going to be all going to be waiting and looking for you in 2021. And uh, I can't wait that when you come through Houston, Texas, I'm going to be there cheering you on.
1: Okay, I look forward to that, man. Thank you, thank you so much. Remember to catch every episode of Life
0: Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. I want to thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness on any streaming service and you can learn more about me at DrWardBond.com. Thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness and remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.